Welcome to the website of Orangecrest Community Church. This week's message is focused in on how the final evaluation of our lives by the Lord really factors into the decisions that you and I face each and every day. Thanks for joining us. We are in our third week in this series looking at eternity and how, how eternity makes a difference in, in our lives here and now. And we've been talking about how life on earth is important if we live with a preparation mentality. Uh, this is not the final destination. This is, uh, this is where we prepare for our destination. And so last week we looked at the issue of relationships how, and how if, if, if you're looking for earth to be heavenly, then you're going to be pretty disappointed. If, you, if you're expecting heaven on earth, then what we tend to try to do is we tend to try to squeeze and extract out of the people in our lives uh, the things that we really want. We try to get from relationships what God can really only give and only bring satisfaction in. And so having the right mindset about heaven, as we looked at last week, frees us up to relate to people that are real and flawed as we are, broken as we are, in pain as we are. And so it just frees us up to be people and takes the pressure off of relationships if we keep heaven in mind. Today I want to look at another area impacted by eternity, and that's our decisions. When we launched a couple of weeks back, we looked at this verse, so I want to just kind of refresh your memory on 2 Corinthians 5, verses 9 and 10. Paul wrote this in his second in, in Second Corinthians, he writes, So whether we are at home, meaning in heaven, we talk about how he describes heaven as, as our home. So whether we're at home or away, meaning heaven or earth, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So for Christ's followers... We looked a few weeks ago about the fact that there will be an inspection by Jesus of our lives while on earth. He's going to actually evaluate our lives. And, and that's a sobering thought. I mean, for me it is. Just the fact that he is going to... And this shows up in different places in the Bible. The fact that nothing is hidden from God's sight. Everything will be uncovered and laid bare. I mean, there's some sobering uh, verses that help us really consider... Well, I better make sure I pay attention then in this life to the way I live. But this statement in Second Corinthians is really a reminder of a previous instruction from his earlier letter. So I'm going to look at First Corinthians chapter three, and that's where we're going to focus. First Corinthians chapter three, if you have a Bible, you can flip there. In this passage, we learn this, and this is the, at the top of your listening guide. We learn that the way we choose to build our lives will be evaluated by the Lord. The, the, the way we choose to build our lives, the decisions we make, the motives behind that, the way we build is going to be evaluated by the Lord. So let, let's look at this passage, verses 10 through 15 of First uh, Corinthians 3. It says this, According to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. Paul was a Tent maker by, by profession. He's kind of running with this building analogy. You see it in both First and Second Corinthians. But he's a church planter. So he's saying, look, I laid a foundation. He was the church planter. And someone else is building upon it. Others came and built on that using their gifts. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. 
Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, these are different building materials, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So Paul, he, he begins by pointing out, or by pointing towards an examination of our foundations. He's saying, hey, everyone, make sure we, we consider this issue of considering our foundations. So this is something we ought to do. So just want to break this down. The first thing here is we're to consider our foundation. What are we standing on? What is supporting our life? What are we counting on for us to be made right with God? Paul makes it really clear up front that the only foundation that will stand up and, and the only thing that will reconcile us to God is Jesus. Look at again at verses 10 through 11. According to the grace given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. Someone else is building upon it. Let, let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, Jesus Christ. So Paul, he laid the foundation in Corinth with the life-giving message of the cross. That's what he preached about. The cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only foundation, right? And another man came after Paul planted the church, a man named Apollos, who gave leadership to the church in Corinth. And he built on the foundation that Paul laid. And the message that Apollos preached was also the cross of Christ. So Jesus' death, his burial, resurrection, was and is the basis for salvation, for all of our growth. The core issue is what are you going to do with Jesus? False teachers were spreading uh, amongst some of the churches in the New Testament errors about how you could be made right with God. Some people would say you've got to do all of these works. Some people say you have to follow these laws still. And Paul was saying, look, this is the only foundation that will stand is the cross of Christ. That's that's he's saying that's how we built this. That's what we've been building upon. But the core issue for us is what are what are we going to do with Jesus? Like that's a major question that we have to wrestle with while we're on earth. And if you're here and you're still wrestling with that question, it's the decision you make regarding Christ Jesus that will determine where you will spend all eternity. And that will also greatly influence your choices in the here and now. And so, if you're asking questions like, well, what, what difference does that make? Or what is it, how does it look in real life for me to choose to build a life on, on Jesus and what he's done for me on the cross? Like, what difference does that make? If you've never really wrestled with that, man, we would love for you to, for, to have conversation with you. Our small group leaders, they would love to, for you to join a group and, and begin a dialogue in the group about the process that you're in. In fact, many people come to our church, join small groups, while they're still wrestling through that process. And, and we want that. We, we really want to make space for people to wrestle through this question of, what's my foundation? What am I really standing on? And, and, and we've had people, a part of OCC, that have come for a long period of time, and they've just been investigating and clarifying and having conversations. And we'd say, hey, are you ready to commit your life to Christ? And they'd say... Not yet, not yet, not yet. And then God will draw them closer, and, and they've got more questions, and they'll get their questions answered, and they, are you ready to commit your life to Christ? Make Jesus the Lord of your life. 
no, not yet, not yet. And, and they're counting the cost, and actually that's a really important thing to do. So if you're doing that, if you're counting the cost, uh, you know, we, we would love to, to be a part of that process. You know, let us know if we can be a, a help in any way. We would love to do that. But Paul, he starts with this issue of foundation. Do you know Christ personally? Are you trusting in Christ's work on the cross to save you from the penalty of your sin? That's the only thing that can reconcile us to God is, is Jesus' blood, his righteousness. That's all that can, that can cover our sins. Then he transitions to this issue in the passage. He says, basically, we'll give an account of what we did and why we did it. If we're a Christ follower, we're going to... We're going to have our lives examined. We're going to have our lives evaluated and scanned. We're going to give an account of what we did and then why we did what we did. So look at verses 12 and 13. Paul writes, now if anyone builds on the foundation, again, the foundation is Christ. So you you commit your life to Christ. If you build on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, these are... These are the way we build a life. After coming to Christ, you build a life. You use certain kinds of materials. Some high-quality materials, enduring materials. Some low-quality, poor-quality materials that won't endure. And he says in verse 13, Each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. So he's using these different building material terms and... Yeah, some of them, when they're heated up and refined through fire, they, they last. Certain materials last. Other materials, wood, straw, hay, when those are exposed to the flame, when they're refined through the fire, what happens to those? They burn up. They don't, they don't endure. Now, we, we build a life making decision after decision after decision, and some of our decisions have a good enduring quality about them that will endure the refining process at that evaluation point after our life is over. And some of our decisions are poor. Sometimes we go, well, that was really dumb. That, that was just really selfish. That was really prideful. That was really greedy. That was really arrogant. And some of our decisions are poor. They're flimsy. And we build our lives on these decisions. And then when it's refined, it won't stand the test. This is the way it is in our life. We build our lives, and later we see what lasts. Now, that's a sobering reality to live with. And what we understand is that sometimes we build life in a very worldly way. That's the poor quality material. Sometimes we build on the foundation of Christ, like we really commit our life to Christ, but then we build a very worldly life, one that reflects where our choices reflect the ways of the culture, the ways of the world, and it's not pleasing to God. Or, on the other hand, we commit our lives to Christ, and we can build our lives in line with God's values and our decisions can line up with his kingdom ways and he can bless and, and keep building on that. Sometimes we do the right things in life, like we, we serve or we, we share our faith or we give or we care for people. But then there's a secret, hidden motive behind the deeds. And Paul is saying that our deeds and even our motives will come to light at this point. Look again at verse 13. Look carefully at verse 13. Each one will become, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it. It will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort 
of work. Each one has done. I think that, that word sort of work is important to key in on. Because it's not just the, it's just not the work itself, but what sort of work. So sometimes our motives negate the deeds that we do because it's, it's there's a motive behind it that's just not the right motive. It's an, it's a it's a low quality motive. It's an impure motive. Um, I, I I wrestle with my motives all the time. Well, I'm, I'm sure all of us probably do. And, and there's several motives I think we ought to consider. Three I want to highlight to consider is comfort. First is comfort. We don't like change. Sometimes God, He challenges our comfort. Now, not just sometimes. He often challenges our comfort. Sometimes a decision of obedience brings us to repent. We, we're going one way in life. We, this is the way I do my life. This is how I do it. And then God says, well, that's, that's not helping. That's out of bounds. Or that's, that's not building up that's tearing down or that's hurt it you're hurting your family you're hurting you this is doing damage you need to repent you need to make a major shift and sometimes it's our desire for comfort that prevents us from making the shift or other times it's convenience very similar we want decisions and options that are easy and so god that sounds really difficult if i follow you here if i obey you in this area of my life that sounds so difficult so instead, I'm going to choose the less painful option, the more convenient way of living. And I know, it's, I know you're saying go this way, but God, it's not that far off. It's like, it's almost that way. It's, it's just slightly a degree off or a few degrees off. This is just more convenient. God, I'm going to do it this way. Or a personal gain. You know, we battle with thinking, what's in it for me? All of us, if we're honest, we wrestle with this issue of, you know, what's in it for me if I, if I do this? But, but we all, you know, we want to look good, feel good. We want to do well. We want to increase our influence, our status. And so we wrestle with all of these motives. And if our motives aren't pleasing to the Lord, then even those good deeds done with wrong motives will not pass this inspection. Now look at verse 13 again. It's talking about the fire. What's the fire? The fire... That's God's standards. Imagine, imagine God's standards, like God's ways. His kingdom ways, His righteousness, the, those being, you know, the fire that we, we, our lives pass through His, you know, His standards. And so, our works and our motives, they'll be refined by God's kingdom ways. And some of our works and our motives will just be consumed by the fire. Some of the things we gave our lives to, they'll just burn up in the fire because they weren't in line with his kingdom and his ways. Very little in life endures through, through fires. Whenever a house fire occurs and it all goes up in smoke, you, you, you only find gold, silver, and it, it changes shapes oftentimes. But you find these precious metals, but nothing else really lasts in, in, a, in a very large house fire. Now, but here's the motivation. This last, you know, verses 14 and 15, here's the evaluation. It talks about how God rewards in eternity. God rewards in eternity those decisions of ours that really please him. So this is a motivating part of this um, this experience, is that there are rewards 
for those who, who, who do deeds with the right motives that really please God. So verses 14 and 15. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, meaning the deeds and the motives, they line up with God's values. If they survive, he will receive a reward. Verse 15. If anyone's work is burned up, if our deeds and our motives don't pass the test, and it says, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So what's not in question if you're a Christ follower is your eternal security. That's not in question here. What's in question is, will any... You know, what will pass through that refining fire of the life I just lived as a, as a Christ follower? So picture a house fire. Firefighters rush in. It's a, it's, it's a real blaze. They rush in. They rescue everyone. They're able to get everyone out, but they're not able to really get any of the belongings out. Everything just goes up in smoke. But they get all these people, and you roll up to the scene, and you see what happened. Well, there's a huge house fire. Is everybody okay? Yeah. These are, these are everybody that are rescued. Nobody died. If we commit our lives to follow Christ, but we live just like the world, one of my mentors says, this is kind of the experience. It's like you arrive in heaven, and you're there, but you're wearing only your fruit of the looms. <laughs> you're saved, but through fire. And you pass through the fire, and, and, and all of what we gave our lives to, just if we lived for the world and the ways of the world, a very carnal life, it just burns up through the fire. Or the opposite is you pass through that refining process. We're evaluated by Christ and by kingdom ways. And some things do get burned up because all of us struggle with our deeds and our motives. But some decisions, some deeds, some motives are really in line with God's ways. And, and you're rewarded. It says he will receive a reward. I don't know exactly what that is. I've heard different folks talk about what they suspect that might be. But some sort of a reward for for obedience done with the right motive in eternity. And, and, and I was sitting here thinking and singing a moment ago. I was thinking about this scene and just how, how can, can we even imagine our lives coming to an end and coming face to face with, with a holy and righteous God and, and realize what he did for us at that point. And we, we see Jesus who saved us, who bled and died for us. And we come face to face with him. And there's some motivation there to be able to pass through that refining process and say, you know what, Lord, I, I, I just thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. You know what a mess I've been, the struggles I've had. I think there's some motivation to pass through the fire to be able to have some of our lives Refined and, and pass through that process and not have everything just burn up in that moment. To know that we lived for the right things and we didn't try to get it all here and now, but we decided, I'm going to delay some of the things I want in order to help move the kingdom forward, in order to do life God's way. The fact that the Lord is coming and the fact that he will reward his people was one of Paul's greatest motivations in his life. In a sense, everything Paul who wrote this to the church, did, was motivated by this inspection because he kept referencing it. It's this idea that he's going to appear before the Lord and he'll give an account. His objective was really to please the Lord. And so I want us to wrap up by spending just a few moments talking about some questions to ask regarding 
our decisions. Because when it comes to our decisions, the image I have in my mind is, is when you make decisions, when you build your life, it's like you're getting on a train. And so here's a picture of some train tracks from Germany. I was just there in, in the fall. I don't travel on train much here. And so uh, this is like a, it was a fairly new experience for me. But each train is going different directions. And the train you choose determines the destination you go. Obviously, your direction, all of those things are tied. You know, dr- trains don't just feel their way forward. They're programmed. They're conduct. You know, there's a they're driven by a conductor. But we are all making decisions that are sending us down a certain track. Now, imagine getting onto a train. Maybe you've had this experience before. Getting onto a train and then falling asleep. And setting a timer, like, okay, I need to wake up so at this time, because this is where my stop is. Imagine doing that. Maybe you've done that before. Has anybody slept on a train before? Okay, some, how about on a plane before? Okay. We may need to go with the plane analogy instead. But, <laughs> but some of you are juniors and seniors in college, and you're about to step on a train. And if you're not strategic and intentional, you might wake up 10 years later and be shocked at where you're at. Some of you are empty nesters, and some of you have a lot more options for freedoms again that you didn't have for a period of time. And now you've got some important decisions to make. We're, we're all wrestling through different scenarios of stepping onto a train and making more decisions that are going to lead us to some place. And, and you, you sometimes just have these really small windows where you've got to decide, what do I do? And it can be a nerve-wracking process. It's like when I was in Germany. It was, it was a nerve-wracking process because I couldn't read the signs very well. And one of the pastors I was traveling with, he traveled there before. He said, just stick close to me. We've got a we've got 12-minute window. We've got to get to this platform and get on this train. And then it was very important you know, that we, we got the right connections. Because if you don't, you get off track. And, and you'd have to change trains in order to head back in the right direction. This is a very, very you know, scary process. But this is what it looks like to, to, to make decisions. It just takes time. It's not easy. And you might be at a place right now where you're not ter- totally sure how you ended up where you're at. It's like sometimes we can feel like we've just been on autopilot for years. I know I made a bunch of decisions, but I don't remember wrestling too much with my decisions. I know I've thought that at points. Or maybe I look back at the tracks of my decisions and I, could, I can point to several poor choices that I made. Some regret, some disappointment, some frustration. And maybe, maybe you feel stuck where you're at. And so these, these questions will help sort because we don't have to live that way. The first question is this. These are key decision-making factors. What is most important to God here? This is the, the critical question we can filter all of our choices through, large and small. The quality of our life is... is Connected to how our decisions reflect God's values. So we need to find out what is important to God here. What does God value here? Since we're all going to be evaluated by God, then we need to know what measure will he use to evaluate our decisions. And here's the measure he uses. What he's revealed to us. He's revealed his ways, the ways of his kingdom, his righteous ways of living, just ways towards people. He's revealed himself through the scripture to us. And so we need to figure out what is it that is important to God. And so 
what this means for us is to wrestle through this question of, I need to discover what's important to God. I do that in several ways. One is, I get to know God's Word. I get into the Scripture for myself. And I aim to ask the question, God, what do you think about this? As I'm reading, oh, I'm, I'm beginning to understand God's truths. That helps me evaluate my decisions. You can, you can get to know God's Word by just beginning to read it. If you're, if you're new to reading the Bible, then I'd encourage you to, to find a reading plan that works and that you can stick with. Uh, this is an app called the Version Bible app. And it has, what I like about this app, it's for your phone or for your tablet, is it's got several Bible reading plans that you can, you can use. Sometimes you, you choose to do a real aggressive Bible reading plan because you want to get you know, you want to really understand the story, and you don't want to dr- get drowned in the details. You want to understand what's the big picture of what God is doing. So you want to read through the Bible quickly at some point. Sometimes you want to take a slower course, and sometimes you want to focus in on, you know, certain aspects. But this tool can really help. Or maybe get a hold of a good topical Bible that you can, if you're trying to understand a specific area, you can use the concordance, which is usually found in the back of your Bible. To, to find what does God have to say about an area, or you can use a, a topical Bible that just un, it basically categorizes subjects. But get to know God's Word. Get into His Word for yourself. Don't rely only on other people telling you what the Bible says, but you know, listen to God yourself. Second, participate in the ministry. This is another way we get to know what's important to God. We get in, we get in small group life. We start serving with others in ministry teams. You know, we... we we participate even on a Sunday morning service. We come, not just attend, but we join in in singing and in learning and in listening. We take notes. We, we think through, what does God want me to do as far as applying? We participate in the ministry. And then last, we, we seek to get advice from more mature Christians. This has been a lifesaver for many of us in this room. And then sometimes I wish I had done this. <laughs> sometimes I have a decision. I don't want to tell anybody about it. I don't want to get advice because I've already locked on to my hopes and my dreams. But if we learn to seek advice from more mature Christians, we can spare ourselves a lot of the pain and the frustration of just stepping onto a train and then ending up somewhere a decade later. These are some really important questions. Now, the second question is this. Once I've sorted what is most important to God here, what does he say is most important to God in this situation, this decision, this choice, then what are my motives behind this decision? If you can wrestle with this motive question and be honest with yourself, then you can save yourself from making, you know, just streaks of poor decisions. For the most part, we just tend to make decisions and get surprised with the results. And so... But we all keep in mind, our choices are purposeful. They don't just happen by accident. And so we're all a mixed, mixed bag of motives. Some of our motives are pure, like silver, and some of them are not. They're like hay. And they just, they'll just, our motives will cause our deeds to go up in, in, in flames. And so I encourage you, struggle and wrestle to weed out the motives. The impure motives, God. Just this week, God, show me of all that I'm doing, of all that I'm giving my life to, would you help me to just have an honest look at why I'm doing these things? Why am I serving? Why am I attending? Why am I giving? Why, why do I care about these things, God? What is fueling that? God, show me any self-centeredness that's there. Show me pride. Am I only serving to get recognized? Am I? Is there entitlement? Is there greed? Is there... 
Is there arrogance? What, what is it? If, if we're honest, then God will he'll show our motives to us. He'll help us to see double motives. And then as we see it, we can just say, God, I just confess this to you. I've been wanting to be in the spotlight rather than just serving for you. I, I have had an agenda. I just confess that to you. God, would you help me to just do this with the right motivation? I want to start back tomorrow doing this for the right reasons. God, would you correct me when I'm off track and when I recognize that? And this gives us a chance to just come to God and lay our plans and our lives down before him and say, I want to do what you want to do in the way that is pleasing to you, Lord. I've listed a couple of next steps here that, that you can check out. One is just to memorize First Corinthians 3.13, which is really the heart of this, of this passage, that all of our work will be manifest and disclosed and revealed by fire. I, I would encourage you to memorize this because this, this helps us keep in mind this issue of evaluation that we can keep coming back to through our decisions. You might also just choose an area in your life to evaluate. Pick a specific area and just start wrestling through what does God say about this and, and wrestling through the motives as well. So let, let's pray together as we, as we wrap up. Father, thank you for this time that we've had. We pray, Lord, that you would help us this week to, uh, to apply an understanding of this final evaluation to our lives and to our decisions and to our service to you. God, so many here are so faithful to serve. We thank you so much, God, for the way that we, there's just so many people helping to move uh, this church forward. And Lord, would you help us to wrestle down the wrong motives? Confess them to you, Lord, if we identify them and then just to move in the right direction, Lord. Would you, through your spirit, Lord, would you search us this week? Would you Help us to um, be honest, Lord, with you. And, and then and just, once again, fall upon your grace and your kindness that you're so kind to forgive us, Lord, when we get off track. We just thank you, God, for showing us things through your word. Lead us, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.